The Evolution of Network Design with Darren Fulwell and Rick Power. Episode 81. In this podcast episode, we take a trip back in time, back to the future. Let's be like Marty McFly and jump into our DeLorean, our time-traveling car. Joining me on this journey through time are my good friends and fellow CCDEs, Darren Fulwell and Rick Bauer. These two experts are going to help me show the evolution of network design over the last 20-plus years. Let's go. Welcome back, my friends, nerds, geeks, and ziglets out there. We have another episode of the ZigBits Network Design Podcast, where zigabytes are faster than gigabytes. We strive to provide real-world context around technology. What's up, everybody? Wow, I said, what's up, everybody? What's up, everybody? I hope everyone is doing great. Zig Ziga here, and welcome to episode 81 of the ZigBits Network Design Podcast. My name is Zig Ziga. Once again, I'm here to help you with network engineering, network design, and network architectures. And today, we are highlighting the evolution. Yep, I said it, the evolution of network design. Our guests today are Darren Fulwell and Rick Bauer, my fellow CCDE and network design experts. Hey, Rick and Darren, thanks to both of you for joining the show today. I sincerely appreciate it. How are you guys doing today? Let's start with Rick. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm awesome, man. It's, you know, it's dumping snow here in New Jersey. We got about, oh, I'm probably going to end up about close to three feet. Whoa. I got about <laughs> a foot. I got about snow. a foot and a half here. So, New York. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going pretty good. It's still going. And uh, unfortunately, the only thing that I have regret-wise is that we're at our Vermont house, and I didn't stay. I didn't bring my work laptop, so I couldn't stay. And I'd be getting the goods right now. Yeah, man. Yeah. uh, But now we're talking to you guys, so it's even better. (laughs) Well, that's a great way to start the day, I guess. Good trade-off, right? It's a good (laughs) trade-off. How about you, Darren? How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, good, good. Uh, Nowhere near as much snow. In fact, what we did have a, a smattering overnight, and there's a little bit left on the car. But it's gone. It's this is this is February in in uh, Manchester. This is what it's like. Nice. So no no yeah, real grim, snow there. Gray. Uh, I mean, no, no, no. Due, maybe if that. It's it's, it's gray. It, that's, <laughs> that's the north of England for you. So yeah. So I just got done snow blowing my driveway and everything. Um, took about forty five minutes. We got about a foot and a half so far. So I'm sure we're gonna get more later because it's a, an all day thing. But hey guys, thanks for joining. Hey Rick, um, I think I'll tee it over to you first. Um. Can you just give kind of an intro about who you are, what you do, the kind of the top items that, that um, kind of say who you are? Sure, sure. So uh, Rick Bauer, um, I'm a, a TSA in EN Enterprise Networking for Cisco. I've been there about coming up on a year. So nice. my work anniversary is coming up in April. Um, in the midst of the pandemic, I switched jobs. So that's a you know, I don't know if that's a testament to things or what, but um, prior to that, I was with S&P Global as the head of global network architecture. Um, and before that, partners, government, large enterprise, retail. I'm an old INSer from back in the 90s. Um, and, you know, as, thing, as we say, networking in, in this industry is cyclical. I started out as a programmer, and I am probably going to end my career as a programmer. So pretty cool. Uh, CCIE, CCDE, everything in between. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of it. 
So, so for the people that can't see us, right, we're on video just for cues and whatnot. Um, you have a DevNet shirt on. So do you have the DevNet certifications then? I know you talked about CCIE and uh, CCD. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. So I am up to the specialist level Ooh. right now. So I've done associate and EN automation, and I am currently working on DevCore. Whoa. The big I bear. That, oh, well, that one's really hard. Say, that's yeah. <laughs> so I've got a goal for March. Nice. I want that's to a good one. And we've got an internal thing going with uh, – um, you know, my, my reporting chain at Cisco. So there's some, some good incentive to do that. So by end of, end of quarter. So nice, nice. Hey, well, thanks for joining. I appreciate it as always. Um, where can everyone find you on the interwebs if they want to find you and, you know, continue the conversation? Oh, gee, I'm not really good at this social media stuff, but <laughs> so they can't um, find you. You're ghost. Yeah, they, I, mean, they can. I mean, I'm, I'm on, I think I'm on Twitter and <laughs> all right well i'll make it easy i will put it in the show notes guys all right so i'll put it in the show notes for you uh where all the links and where but they can mostly, find it. mostly in it six right so in it six linkedin um it, and i guess twitter i'm at ccie 9482 so awesome well there you go um, we can find you now you're not a ghost yeah anymore. you can find me <laughs> I'm lurking around. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks again for joining. Um, I'm going to tee it over to Darren. Uh, Darren, you know, you're not you're, you're a friend of the show. You've been on a number of times, but let's just in case people don't know who you are, buddy, give a quick intro. My intro pales into insignificance compared to what you've just experienced. But um, <laughs> um, basically, what he said, you know, scale it down about 75%, and that's me. Right? Oh, there so, you go. CCIE, CCD, DevNet Associate, but yeah, I haven't got any further than that yet. I, um, uh, yeah, I've, I've the same kind of thing. Done the network engineering, done the consulting, done the architecture and design. I'm currently uh, this one. I think I might just be able to to win on because my my job title is currently network automation evangelist. Nice. I thank you. Nice. I think I'll just retire on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> done. Call it in. Hang in the towel. You need one of those. You need to be on like TV and, and have like a following <laughs> evangelist. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. The church your own, networking. Your own TV oh, yeah. show, man. There you go. You, you have got, different seasons in the series. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for joining, Darren, as always. Hey, one last question. Where can people find you, as always, on the interwebs? Yeah, I'm um, at Darren Forwell on um, on Twitter um, and on LinkedIn. And as, as Rick mentioned, in it six. I mean, we, we have, we've kind of brushed over that a little bit. But, um, you know, this was something that, that Rick and I and uh, Derek and the guys from the, the CCI Advisory Council started um, – Gosh, two years ago now, nearly, um, where we were talking about how to adjust and change to this new way of of uh, building the operating networks. Really, the programmability, the um, automation, all that good stuff, and and it's really our journey, but also um, hopefully taking people with us. Right, Rick, that was the idea. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I'll have uh, links to Init6 as well, so everyone can follow Init6 and, and find out who they are, what they are, what they do, and what it's all about. Um, and, and real quick, I don't know if everyone caught a couple things, right? So um, I don't have the DeadNet Associate certification. So these guys do, <laughs> and these guys are so far ahead, and I, I'm, I don't have it yet. I'm working on it. I started it, so I'm working on it. I'll get there. But I want to say this other thing is that you have three 
not one, <gasps> not two, but three CCDEs on this uh, podcast episode this morning or this day, whatever day you're listening to it. Uh, so that's design in a nutshell. That doesn't happen very often, right? No, there's not. Yeah, well, there's not many of us. So that's is, true. You know, that's true. It's a good and a bad thing. I mean, for the cert, but you know, I don't know. We'll get there. Yeah, we're, we'll get there, right? Like, I mean, Darren and I were part of a webinar series where we had what four CCDEs on the webinar, I think. Yeah, true. you know. Yeah. So, I mean, we're we're trying to get more people in the CCD community together. Not that that was the topic of the show, but no. we're trying to get, bring think, people together. I think the new version, um, which is which is um, end of the year now that we're in twenty twenty one, so it's the end of this year that the new version comes comes to fruition. Eleven months, I think, man. Well. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's hope that um, you know that that helps because I think you know that that's a, something that we we've talked about a lot, Rick, isn't it? Is is the fact that the DE has so much? Uh, I don't know. It's such a great testing experience. There's so much quality in, in the actual cert itself. It's just not been as widely accepted as we'd hope, and uh, maybe no. maybe now's the time to uh, to change that. I think well, you and I have beaten that drum for years. Yes. Yes. Um, now, you know, the other another interesting fact here is the three of us have also been deeply involved in CCI or CCDE exam development and program development over the years as well. So, you know, that's another interesting fact that, you know, you know we uh, kind of have our fingers in it. Um, you know, I am... I am an evangelist of the CERT. I believe there's tremendous value in it. I think that, you know, it's hard, which is great. Yeah. And it, you know, it should be. CCIE should yeah. be hard. I mean, oh, E means expert, right? So, you know, I, I don't think that should deter people. Um, I, I, you know, I wish that maybe it was positioned and marketed better. Um, and to, to give it more value, but you know, that is what it is. Hopefully in, in the, in the new version that will, in the new regime, things will start to change. Um, but you know, the, the last thing I want to see is it become just another IE and kind of meld in together. I believe there's tremendous value in having it as its own separate track. Yeah. It's distinctive. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely. It's distinctive. It's, it's important that, that we keep it. And, and, for me, the testing experience wasn't was well. It reflects on your experience as a whole, in the your approach, and all those good things Zig, that we always talk about. You know, the mindset and everything. The point is that that unless you've got those things, you aren't going to do as well as you hope, and so you need to change yeah. your mindset to 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 work to it. It's you can't just learn this stuff, right? No. You have to live it and breathe it, which is why. Oh, okay. we see. We started already. We started doing why the, the rambling, study group, right? <laughs> Why the study groups work? Why the whole discussion groups work and everything in terms of preparation for the DE? It's a whole different kettle of fish, and it's awesome. It is awesome. And I, I can tell you, my success wouldn't have been. I, I wouldn't have achieved it. I don't think if I didn't have the study partner that I have, my buddy Sean Garrett, who is he's brilliant, and you know the two of us together just worked at it and just chipped away and just, you know, dissected it and, and looked at everything. You know, when you talk about beating that horse, man, it's like, well, why do you do multicast or, you know, this or that or the other thing? And to, to be able to chip it away and break it down into, well, you know, this, this and this is why. And then 
wrap that business piece around it and it, you know, and then it starts to make sense. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a process in and of itself. I mean, yeah, I think it's extremely important, right? I mean, we talked about the CC for a minute here, and and maybe we can get to the topic in a minute of what we're going to talk about, which I think fits. You know, we're talking about evolution of network design, and I think the CC itself kind of shows you how important network design is nowadays. Um, I think the CCD is extremely imperative. Uh, I think people should adopt it. I think should it should be everyone should be getting it. The the process. Uh, I think that people just don't know how to think about network design. We're not trained. We're not taught. There, I mean, you know, Rick and I, we talked about maybe doing a show on should there be a um, a degree for network design, like some sort of in, you know industry standard. Here's the degree plan so you can learn how to design appropriately and how you think. It's all about your mindset. Um, but I'm going to go on my own ramble here, right? Like that's that's where I'm at. Like I, I like all the changes for the most part. I'm cool with that. I think it's going to drive more people to the DE. Um, I wish it was a little. I wish it was a little elevated, higher than the CCIE is personally. Like I think, I think it, I think it should be not at the same rung at the CCIEs, and that's how it's kind of marketed. So I think to your point, Rick, it should be maybe better marketed and better um, pushed out there and adopted and et cetera. Um, but I, I mean, I'm a huge proponent. I'm very passionate about the D. I think we all are, right? Yeah, yeah. I think anybody who has it or anybody who is <laughs> is started to tackle it. Just because, again, I mean, it is such a, you know, I, I, I spent way more time on DE than I did on IE route switch. Me too. 100%. I mean, mm-hmm. more effort, more brain power, just everything, you know. And it wasn't because I didn't have the skills. It was because, you know, you, you've got to reshape your mind from thinking operationally mm-hmm. to thinking, you know, more strategic. And, you know, and then what are the the impacts from the business that, that drive a design. And, you know, I think that's something where we as engineers, we'd be, we, we built these beautiful creations over the years and they're artful. They're so artful and beautiful, but they're fragile, man, because there's not a lot of structure and governance to them. And I think we can get a lot better. And I think that's where DE really kind of fits in. Agree. No. I think it's a it's about it's about building something that's operable, yeah, supportable that you can you can actually make sure does achieve what you're trying to trying to achieve, but also you can maintain it and and you don't have to get a specialist in to to deal with it all the time and all of those sorts of good things, right? It's it's so much more than oh, I understand that technology, I understand that technology, and I understand yeah. that technology, and this is why I choose that one over that one. So much more than that. And that, for me, was the difference. That was absolutely yeah. the difference because you can't, you can't book study. In re- really, you can't book study this thing. It's this, you, know, this, you can learn the technologies and that's fine, yeah. but it's about changing the way you think. And, that, yeah. and, and some people are already wired that way, right? Some, some network architects are already wired that way. And these guys will just walk through this process and, and get this because that's the way you are. There are other people who are wired as an, as a, an IE who learns things by rote and they learn things by, by reading and whatever. And they may never get the DE because they, they can't shift that mindset. And that's the thing is, is this is why I think why experience really plays into this. Because if you've got that role already and you're doing yeah. that, 
you've already had to learn to compromise and you had to learn about trade-offs and you've had to learn about about how to to carry yourself in those sorts of situations you're going to get a better result it's as simple so the, as that the, the the two things that really helped me a lot was that that business practitioner yeah coursework that we had to do in the partners that was something that really kind of teed me up for it and i i did that in like 2010 and that kind of changed my mindset from you know and my role where i was at at the time kind of did that too and you know to your one point darren it's 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 called operational operational sustainability and if you don't build networks to for that it, they're no good if you can't if you can't support it it's no good if it's too complex to figure out at 3 a.m you failed the rule i mean you broke the 3 a.m rule and and you know nobody's going to be able to fix it when it breaks. So I have this, I have this actual real world situation where uh, a team that I work with, my team and I were building um, a route leaking strategy for one of our customers. And it, you know, so our customer came in and said, Hey, we need to be able to route leak between VRFs or whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's go in the lab. So, you know, I got four CCIEs, me as a CCE and we're in the lab and we're like, okay, we got to hammer this out. And, you know, we, we come out of that two day, three day process. We got this awesome, awesome route leaking strategy that we love. We're very passionate about it. We're like, this is going to be awesome. And we present it to the customer here. Here. We didn't think that that customer is not a CCIE. That customer is not even a CCNP. Uh, that customer is a CCNA and we use technologies and features that like are at the CCI level. He doesn't understand. Not at his fault, right? We designed it for someone that just can't manage it. They can't maintain it. Yeah. So we had to go back to the board and be like, okay, we got to, we got to, we got to make this a lot simpler. Like that's, that's where we're at here. They got to be able to manage it. So it's, it's, I think design and the CCD, but not just to de decouple from the CCD, I think network design you have to weigh what you're doing with everything else. Like it's, it's an all the whole total picture view. It's not, you know, availability is more important or scalability is more important or security is more important. You want to say something, Darren, go ahead, buddy. No, I was just going to say you're leading so neatly into all of the things that I wanted to talk about um, through the episode way. anyway, right? Because, because really what we're saying is, uh, you know, when, when I started doing this, this stuff, it was all about the CVDs and all about making sure that you built things the way that that, that um, the vendors, whoever the vendor was in, in question, wanted you to build it so that you, you did things the right way. But the problem with that was you ended up with one, two, three, four different networks, all completely separate and all needing different support mechanisms and whatever in order to, to deliver them. And so they were disjoint, right? You had gaps, that, that things fell down in between them. That's not good enough anymore. We can't do that because, because business needs the network far more now than it ever did before. Because, I mean, and you only have to look at what's happened this year, right? Without, without what we do, nothing could have happened, you know, in terms of getting all those people working remotely, in terms of working from home, but, but also delivering new service to, to customers and all that stuff. You just couldn't do it without a proper joined up network strategy, right? And so but this is why what, what we do is now important. Where a lot of customers struggled there was to efficiently roll that out, right? So all of these things are great, but if you don't have a way to do them at scale, yeah. um, you're, going to, you're going to run into these things. You know, the, the worst thing that we have in networking or in IT as a whole is telling the business to wait. 
Sorry, we can't do that for another year. That's not good enough anymore. You need to be able to, you know, at the whim of business, because quite frankly, that's who gives you your budget. And that's who that's why you're in existence. You're there to serve the business. So you need to be able to provide them the tools and, and, and instrumentation, everything that they need in order to provide the service to your customer, whoever that might be. So exactly. And I I would add this, I I like to say this, and I don't know if you guys are going to resonate with this or not, but um, we, we talk about making a network scalable. Well, I want to, I want to emphasize or kind of flip the, flip this topic or this idea. We make the network scalable because we want to make the business flexible. And if we don't have that capability to make the network scalable, where it actually makes the business flexible. So when the business comes to you for an ask and you go, yeah, yeah, we can do that right now. Like we, It'll take five minutes or if you come, they come to you and you're like, well, it's going to take a year. Like, there's no way. Like we, we just don't have the scalability or, or whatever. I mean, that, that's what we're talking about here. And then the second thing on that is that the network's no longer a cost center. Like it's, it's, it, it can't be a cost center, right? The business, the network is, it's, it's becoming what I call an unstated requirement. It's very similar to like building a house and getting plumbing, running water, electricity. I was just going to say, you're talking about a utility really is what you're talking about. Functional requirement, right? Exactly. You know? But if you go back 20 years ago, it wasn't that, right? It was like, it was nice to have. It was like, yeah, maybe maybe I'll have a network, I'll have some redundancy, some high availability, maybe single points of failure across the board, whatever, right? But now it's, if my application doesn't function... I'm I'm mad, right? My business is going down. I'm losing money. The the impact, the impact, the why is so well, big now. Yeah, the business the business figured out that the tool that they need to use is the internet or mm-hmm. access to that up to thereof, right? So, you know, we're we're the highway. Yep. So, you know, and and you know, scale and flexibility, you know, be able to, you know, and I hate to, you know, throw out agile and all of that, but you know, yeah, we need to be agile. We need to be able to respond in in a reasonable amount of time. Um, and I mean, that brings us to so many things that we want to talk about. You know, from a programmatic point of view, yeah. Um, you know, software Just, image management and things, all that stuff is in. Crucial. Go ahead, Darren. Sorry. I know. I was just going to say. I mean, for you, just just going back a step. But you talked about scalability. We're not just talking about scale up here, of course. We're, we're talking scale down as well, or scale sideways, or whatever, right? Because the cloud, because the cloud approach, right? Exactly. Be able to, to expand and contract as needed, as needed. Because I mean, and again, you know, the last year only shows us just how things can change in the the drop of a hat, right? How many people, when we're through all of this, are going to be dumping their offices, and how many people have, have scaled up? you know, working from home. Well, how's that going to change when, when all this has changed? It's, it's, it's flux, right? And it's changed. That's the thing that we're, it's the agility. Um, no. Whatever scalability up, down, whichever direction that we need in order to, to and, cope. And with there's got to be a way, right, to, from a financial point of view, you know, I mean, I have, I have some customers that are 100% I want to, I want everything as OPEX. I want to pay monthly bill. I want subscription base. And I have other customers that are like, yeah, my, the way my funding comes in, you know, this could be federal or, or state and local government, right? You know, color of money is important. Mm-hmm. So I can't spend that money on subscription. It's got to be a capital expenditure. So now like certain 
organizations are kind of shipped into, I want it all CapEx, others are, I want it all OpEx. So, you know, there is no one size fits all or one solution fits all. So yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be, continue to become interesting. So that cloud model doesn't always fit for everybody, um, but they want the same outcome, right? So yes. how do you yes. do that? Same, same operational model. Yeah, same operational model, right? For the agility, yeah. but but you know whatever whatever <laughs> other constraints that we need to fit in, fit around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that I think that's why all every network's different. Like I think that's why because these constraints, like you just mentioned, budget, like money, like there's different different types of money, different colors, different uh, capex versus opex, and and we're not going to dive into every little detail on that here, but like. There's implications to those words that we're saying that really dictate how you would design a solution and how you would implement a solution, right? Um, versus the opposite, like CapEx versus OpEx, or if you have a high budget or a low budget. I mean, there's, there's just very different implications there on how that network design would be, how those design decisions would be you know, decided, in all honesty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. So let's... I, I want to oh, go ahead there. Right. So many ways to go from here. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. so there's a couple. There's a couple things, right? We we kind of talked about the CVDs, and I would call that kind of a prescriptive architecture or a fixed topology, right? Like that's that's maybe that was ten years ago. I don't. I'm throwing out a time bucket. I don't know if that's accurate, right? But like that's a fixed architecture. What would you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd go a little bit further than that. I mean, you've, you the CVDs were very much that sort of thing, and and you and a CVD is great as a as a as a reference and as a as an example, yeah, mm-hmm. of, of a way to approach things. But I think you've got you've got another element of of those fixed architectures as well, haven't you? You've got things like uh, spine leaf. You've got things like um, particular operating systems wanting to push. Or particular automation platforms, and let's let's really push the boat out that that push you down a particular path in terms of how your topology is built out, in terms of how you interact with with that network and and the con- the constructs that you've got to play with, and so your fixed architectures are a lot more. Ah, there's so many different ones, and they they are all they are all different, and yet they do have their own constraints wrapped around them, right? Yeah, but you know, for purpose though, you know, if you take ACI or or some fabric, right, SDA, whatever, right, campus fabric, data center fabric, let's just generalize it enough, right? So you take both of them, and they're building blocks because the flexibility comes in the overlay, right? So you have to have that dependable, reliable, scalable underlay infrastructure in order to do that. Now, goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that creativity. That takes a lot of creativity. And I think a lot of engineers fight that because they think, you know, you're taking something that I can create away from me. You're taking my my canvas away from me. But the point is, is that you still have the ability to do that creativity. But if you can solve simple but big problems like campus or user access and make that simple so that you don't have to spend a lot of time, then you can create and spend your resources and time in developing 
cool things at a higher layer in the network. You know, you can, you know, work on cloud stuff or, you know, interconnects and things like that where you need to add that creativity or, you know, mergers, divestures. But if those topologies are fixed and standard, it's so much easier to do the other stuff above it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to you on that one because because if you end up going down that path of having, let's say, indifferent and there's his bring dredging up a, a, a terminology from the past. We'll talk about places in the network, right? We'll talk about your data centers, or you talk about your campus, or you talk about whatever. If you've got these fixed apologies, these lumps of network, you, you your complexity then starts to come in the interactions between those, right? Because that's that's the trick then is okay, I want to deploy I want to deploy a quas policy from from my from my users who are on my wireless network to my applications which are out in my data center somewhere. How do I how do I build that policy when I've got four interaction surfaces between between different oh, networks in order to deliver it? So so to, to be honest, you're right. We've been doing that in service provider for a long time, right? The the complexity comes at the edge, and you're overbuilt in the backbone, mm-hmm. right? Service there, I mean, unless you're doing TE special TE tunnels for a customer, there's no quality of service in the backbone in the P network. It's just label switching at that point, right? So uh, yeah, and just increasing I mean, the a, bandwidth on the links, right? You know, that's you've all you're got doing. Your pocket, <laughs> you're overbuilt in the middle, so you don't have to worry about it, right? So I'm not saying that that's the, the be all no, end all, but, but those are the sorts of things, though. That, I mean, that, you know, you think about you think about um, oh gosh, um, security policy. You well, know, security. And where you want to, you know, there's there's another one, right? So, so you you, I'm, and I'm not going to delve delve into specifics, but um, but things like um, deploying access policy for users as they enter the network and how that can influence which which. Um, uh, workloads they can they can access in the cloud or or something like yeah. that. You you've got all of those kinds of things to deal with, and now you're not dealing with them as as a whole network. You're dealing with them at, at every interaction between all of the networks you're building. Do you know what? I'm not saying it's the wrong thing. I think the point yeah. is it's a change, right? And it's a shift from where we were, yeah. and that's that's the point. Is you're not building a network that connects users right the way through a single network that connects users right the way through to the servers that they access anymore well, you're, you're, it's carved up and it's structured so that you've got these blocks of, of of fixed architecture but then there's the interactions that replace that you're taking simplicity in one place and adding complexity in in the interactions between those, those yeah. simpler blocks but yes. <laughs> go ahead rick sorry no i was just gonna say i mean you know as a rule you know, if you choose standard-based solutions, the underlying hardware and manufacturer, what have you, can become abstracted to a certain sense. And, you know, I mean, you jump, you, Darren, you jump way ahead, right? Yeah, That's yeah, where yeah, we yeah, want yeah. to get to, That's right? the future state, so right? That That's the future state. application segmentation, that, that promise of that, you know, that so far down the road, you know, many, most customers that I see, they're, they're not ready. Their applications aren't ready for that segmentation and that true hearing of application design where there's the front end, the middleware, the application, the database. They, they're not built that way, so they can't segment in the data center like that. The users, 
have so many applications that they use that it's it's impossible at this point to shrink that down into a common policy. So, you know, the best you can do is you, you, you start trying to play with some some macro segmentation at the edges of the network. And then, you know, if, if, you, if you can, you, 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 you maybe build those tunnels between them or create enforcement edge points, you know, and, and create it that way. But, you know, when you're, when you're picking that stuff, it goes back to the design principles. You know, what, what can my business sustain? What, what can my users sustain? And, and what do I have the tools in my toolbox to do to get the job done? No, so, I mean, this is evolutionary. I mean, it, I mean, it would be so cool. I mean, we, I went through it um, with the onset of COVID and looking for remote access solutions, right? You go zero trust and you go application <laughs> segmentation. So you said zero trust. That you know, was amazing. That was amazing. You know, it's, it's, you know, you've, the good thing is you have choices. Well, zero trust is a thing is, for the record. It is a thing. So we probably should dive into that at some point. Just going to throw that out there. What's that? Zero trust yeah. architecture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did do a show I mean, on this a few like a year ago or two, a year and a half ago. There, but It's ahead. more than just the network for zero trust, right? Yeah. This, is, this, is, this is always the problem with anything, isn't it? Anything access that, that we've, <laughs> we've been trying to solve security problems in in client pcs on in the network for years that's because because it was too hard to do it in the clients to, to get a unified view so so do it in the network instead because it's all good now along comes zero trust with the idea of of basically you want to you want to put that that trust into the application log you know logging users into applications ah yeah we'll get there we will get there but i think what we'll end up with is we'll end up with applications, we'll end up with networks doing a bit, we'll end up with with uh, <laughs> with the clients doing a bit, and you know what? We'll end up where we are now, where we've got <laughs> lots of different things interacting because that's the way things go. Think about what we're doing. Just you know, if if we're if we're building at the edges, we're doing that that original security design when it was hard at the edge and soft to chew in the middle, right? You know, yeah. so yeah. now our edges are just in different places, right? So you've got yeah. an edge from your user access to your backbone or in your data center to your backbone. And, you know, you're kind of hard there, a little soft. You could become a little harder here by doing micro segmentation. And again, all this stuff, There's, in my opinion, there's no light switch motion no. in any of this no. stuff. No, no, agreed. And I think phased. there's a ton of learning to go with this as well. Totally. I think I think the the, the danger is you see all of this stuff about zero trust and zero trust is the answer to and yeah, no, it's it's part of it's part <laughs> of the answer. The same as everything is part of the answer. And I, well, I mean zero like trust say, is Zero trust brings in so many other capabilities, though. It, it's it, and it truly is an architecture. I mean, you're you're talking real time data analytics and you know AI, ML, and those are all buzzwords, right? But it's real. That's what is required for a, a true zero trust and automation. I mean, there's pillars of zero trust, right? So, and, and honestly, like when you talk to customers about zero trust, it is going to be a process. It is going to take a long time. It's not a technology issue. It's a governance issue. It's a culture issue. It's a mindset issue. 
And until that changes, I mean, zero trust isn't going to get there. Um, it's just going to take time. So that's the Zig's opinion, though. That's my opinion. Sorry. And, but, and, and in parts of the world, it's there's there's laws that prohibit some of this stuff, and you know, user rights and things like that. You know, certain countries are very lenient. Right. And you can't control where people go and think. You know, so there's all these different layers that drive where this is going to go and how it's going to get implemented. And so many more layers than there used to be. And, yes. And oh, yeah. yeah. You know, this is this is our complex. But you, you mentioned, uh, right there. Darren, you mentioned interactive points kind of. I think that maybe that wasn't the term you used. Um, going off memory and my memory is always so bad. Interaction surfaces, you mean. Between, yeah, interaction. Between yeah, okay. But that's, you mentioned layers, right? Now there's so many other layers. And now with those layers, there's other interaction, whatever word you just used, interactive uh, services. I mean, each layer is a different surface right and and each layer does it have to interact with another layer does it you know does it have to learn you know I- so so this is something i mean I've, I've sort of fairly recently got involved well in fact um you know beginning of covid i got started getting involved with a, a deployment of it was nsxt they were looking at nsxt but they're running it over um a cisco uh vxlan uh fabric which in turn is connected to an mpls network Right, so straight away there, you've got nesting of protocols, surface on surface on surface. Um, A lot and, of, and it's yeah, you've got layers, you've got to overlay, yeah, over overlay. And com- that, but that, there's complexity and, there too. Of course, and, yeah, you know, yeah. That, I mean, that's their whole pitch, right? It's hey, doesn't matter what the underlay. We just we just built so something. so so. Uh, here's what I would say, right? Here's what I would say, real quick. Okay. If you add an overlay on top, and or sorry, if you add an overlay on an underlay that is complex, it's still complex, right? Even though if you add an overlay on it, you still have an underlay that was complex. If your underlay is not working, if you have an issue with an underlay, it's not available. There's you know outages. Adding an overlay on top of that isn't going to solve anything. Like you still have a complex, you know, a broken underlay. Like I have customers that are like, let me add GRE tunnels, right? You remember GRE tunnels back in the day, where let me form an OSP. OSPF routing adjacency over GRA tunnels because my underlay sucks. Well, a GRA tunnel is an overlay, right? Like in the simplest form. And that's just a band-aid. Like if your underlay is broken, you have to fix your underlay. Sorry. There's recursive my- routing. Yes, recursive yeah. routing. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me get my tunnel destination over my tunnel. Policy, <laughs> policy-based routing? How about that? <laughs> uh, even uh, ABF... PBR. Yeah, uh, all of it, man. Mechanical stuff, it's so hard to manage. But what I wanted to go back was, now, your point about the underlay. And, and again, my opinion is that that should be simple. Yes. It should be, if it's going to be, right, point-to-point links, slash, slash 30, 31s or 30s or whatever it ends up being, and super just boom. Routing, simple, just next hop reachability or loopback reachability, and that's it. No policies and no no ACLs, right? That goes on top of it. It's not so complex at that point. If if I know, you know, because think about it, like if you want to equate a fabric to something, shouldn't it be like a switch and a backplane and the interconnections over the backplane fabric? Right. That's what it should kind of mimic. So it should be simple when you plug it together. So So yeah, Rick, your yeah. Rick, your 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 um takeaway for everyone is keep it simple, stupid. 
right? Kiss. Oh, that, that's your takeaway, really, right? So, so that's his takeaway. Kiss. Just live with Kiss, embrace Kiss, and move on. <laughs> Sorry. And if you think you're going to get dumps crazy and wild, rethink it. Because, <laughs> you know, if you built, you put all this governance into building something strong and, you know, fortified and well performing, and then over here you compromise and you go, Ah, just bring a spur out there and let's just stretch layer two out there. It'll be no problem. <laughs> no one had any issues span, uh, stretching it spanning tree, right? No one had any issue stretching spanning tree between different, two different locations. Did and then all uh, of a sudden that switch is the spanning tree loop or the trend, spanning tree root of all VLANs on the network and everything. And it's on a and it's on a hundred meg link and all so tech breaks loose, right? I want to, I want to take this to a different turn for a minute, right? Because we're, we're talking about the evolution of network design, right? But I want to talk about the evolution of networks because I think it's imperative here that if you go back 30 years or 40 years ago, I don't know if any of us were actually in networking 40 years ago, right? Maybe, maybe some of us, I don't, I, not me. I'll just say I wasn't, so. Not, for, not 40, <laughs> but, 30. So, 30, all right. 1989. Just. 89, just, yeah. just, all right, yeah. noted, noted. You guys are dating yourselves, just for the record, and it's on It's on a recording, so um, people are going to hold you to it now. <laughs> you don't get this gray hair from just starting out. <laughs> uh, so, so what I'm trying to get at is that when we were back, like 30 years ago, let's just say, right, when you had a router, you had a switch, they didn't have me- a whole bunch of memory. They didn't have a whole bunch of resources. So de- design decisions back then were to, to protect the devices. Like it was to, hey, I only have 64K of memory or something like that, right? And so I have to limit my OSPF database table. I have to limit EIGRP. I have to limit, I can't inject all the BGP routes in the internet table, right? I can't have all that. So a lot of the, the design decisions back then were based on the resource limitations. Now we fast forward to today, we don't have resource limitations like that, right? These routers, these switches are beefy. They have memory, they have, you know, CPU, they have ports, they have bandwidth, backplanes that can, you know, whatever the bandwidth is these days. So the, the design isn't because of the device anymore. The, the, the design decisions are all because of the business and the services and the applications that we're supporting, right? That we're, that, that the network is, is running like on, or, that are running on top of the network. Yeah. Is all that, you guys feel all that? Is that, am I saying anything that's wrong there? No, totally. With, with, with some clarification, I mean, because there's still different classes of hardware where, you know, you can have deep buffer switches versus, you know, and or line rate switches versus non-line rate switch. And, you know, so device persona is important. Write that down. Yeah. Yeah. Device persona <laughs> is important. When you choose the hardware to put in the different places in the network, it's important. You could be underperforming because of your hardware choice. So just to you know caveat it with that, but yes, you you're I agree it's it's what's on top of the network that's driving the, yeah. the design. Now, does that necessarily have to equate to topology? Right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, three-tier network. We lived it, we embraced it, we sold a lot of hardware as a result of it. Yeah. Um, is it necessary? Spine leaf, collapse core, aggregation, virtualization, all of these things drive that topology. So with that said, and again, now we we're talking about fabrics too. So now overlay networks. So I, I think 
topology still plays a certain aspect of it, and it could be more of an aspect than depending on what you choose to do. If you're building fabrics, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Still need a, a set of standards in, in design and governance to control how things are built. But yeah. The, I, the, the thing that always you know, makes makes me think about this this sort of stuff is is obviously because we spent so much time building VLANs and, and stretching collision domains uh, or not, broadcast domains and, and whatever. And so we had to use, and I, yeah, I know you've already mentioned spanning tree and, and, you know, we're old. We've got to talk about spanning tree from time to time. It's what we do. I want but, to talk about IP mobility. And yeah, <laughs> yeah we there you go. Back in the old days. <laughs> oh, well, just, we'll throw out fabric <laughs> path or what trill how about that we'll just throw out the yeah it's real, i mean but but, yeah. but the point yeah. is that those technologies we were using right they 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 drove us to to, to up, take approaches to, to doing things like ha and clustering and stuff like that in the networking infrastructure that we by and large i don't think we need to do a lot of that now because because our mechanisms are better for failover and, and whatever within our underlays, you know, because we're just using routed networks and we're using efficient um, routing protocols that, that with, with things like BFD and mm-hmm. stuff that will just work and fast. And so we don't have to do things like, you know what, the thing I hate more than most, more than anything else from, from all my time when I was doing network engineering was VPC in Nexus switching. I don't know if, if how much experience you guys have had. Multiple. But how many right. times did it break because the software um, was there but were problems in the software, and it's you because know, you're trying to do something unnatural with the with the actual way that you're you're trying to drive the boxes. What what we've got now is the opportunity to not have to do those things, and so we we're in a miles better position in terms of actually designing the the um, availability of the network. But you have to understand how the application interacts with those networks in order to deliver it if that makes any sense because i don't think now you need to worry about things like mlag and things like um uh, you know high availability failover if you structure the way you deliver your applications properly over the top of the network discuss it depends depends on how you build it (laughs) if you build it on layer two you have to if you build it on layer three you you, you know, you've abstracted that and, yeah. you know, but I go, so a couple things, one, you know, these kind of answers to problems that we've, you know, VPC or multi-lag, or, you know, whatever, yeah, multi-chassis yeah. either channel, we have fixed problems, but we've also created, created new teams, right. <laughs> and we've also given, we've left it open so that maybe it's not always applied 100% correct you know there's there's a lot of configuration that has to go on to make these happen everybody does things somewhat different so that command and control piece mm. which goes back to automation right <laughs> and fix, and maybe fixed topology um but um yeah. So I, is that I, I think, is that we give to people too much flexibility to configure it themselves and they don't fully understand it, or what? What do you think? I, I think there's there's part of that, and and again, you know, I mean, look, we're 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 all expert level Cisco engineers, right? CCIE, CCDE. Now we've made our 
are living on being that expert, right? And to say anything let, that would indicate that you don't need that skill set is blasphemy <laughs> in a lot of cases. But should it be that complex or should it be kind of, you know, should it be plug and play? I mean, go back to PCs back in the day, DMA channels, IRQs, memory addresses and all of that stuff where you had to put a card in, in the PC and how yeah. complex that was. Wow. That just extended, rolled right. Extended memory. That was perfect. <laughs> I talk about I, burnt in. I remember that You must have yeah. had some really, really bad experiences, man, because that was burned into your memory. I was a Nobel engineer, man. I remember. Oh, yeah. I started out with Nobel, man. DLL issues and all other nonsense like that. Oh, yeah. Putting a putting a network network interface card in when it when you had to avoid the video card and stuff like but yes. whatever. Yes. That's so ancient history. But you're right. You're right. But, 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 there. but the NICs, the Less. network interface cards, they weren't on board, right? You actually had to add a PCI That's version. Important. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Well, Sorry. even before PCI, IDE. Oh, yeah, yeah. IDE, IDE. Yep. Right. yep. Oh, yeah. So, ISA. Or ISA, right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. the point being is plug and play changed that, right? It, it made the operating system self-discover the peripherals that are being connected to it. Right, which, so which works, which works ninety nine percent of the kind time. of. <laughs> <laughs> but, but now, no, no, I agree, I agree. Very well, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. So that again, we talk about evolution, right? So we're not going to get to this panacea of overlays and you know whatever it is, VXLAN or or something else, right? So we're not going to get there by flipping the switch. There's an evolution. So I mean, that in and of itself is a lesson. That it took the PC industry, which is typically a fixed set of hardware that's very controllable, where we have something where you can plug any, you know. So yeah, yeah. to have that plug and playness is not going to really happen. And but going back to where I was going with <laughs> this whole thing about IE and in, in this in the level of of expertise, you know, in my opinion, if you make things simpler from the the day-to-day kind of stuff, the you know the 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 moves, ads, and changes, the 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 user access, which user access should be simple, man. It's one way in, one way out. You're building stuff that's crazy complex. You're you're thinking too much. So if you can take that and then take all of that effort in in, in knowledge and in, in in mental power, put it into something else, building a better quality of service plan for doing the the multi-domain interconnects between these pods that we're talking about. If you can put it into that, that's a much better time of your expert level resource. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll take you up a little bit with the, with the access into the network thing and the complexity there. But um, because again, that comes back to my point of we've always tried to solve the problems of whatever's connecting to the network oh, yeah. in the network because of all of that well and and more so now because we're getting all kinds of crazy nonsense wanting to connect to the network right so uh you know everything from from fridges to uh, blah 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 right so so but but and so but apart from that i i see where you're coming from with this this is this is about knowing what we can automate it's knowing about what we can abstract away and how we can manage the, the complexity that sits underneath all this stuff in a much more controlled way, right? 
Yeah. I mean, at, at some point, the, the easier you make something at one layer, it's got to be, it's going to become complex at another. You know, yeah. automobiles, or, or right? About moving the club yeah. complexity around. But it was right? very, it was three things in an automobile, right? It was air, fuel, and spark. It's still that, but all of the control mechanisms and everything that controls that <laughs> makes it so very complex. And it's, you know, it's funny. I just, I just did some work on my newer vehicle. Um, Spark plugs and coil packs, you know, as opposed to a centralized coil. So now you're distributed. So I wanted to ask a couple of things, right? So I was kind of waiting and not trying to overrupt, interrupt anyone. Um, you mentioned Max, right? So, so in a perfect world, uh, Mac is not like Mac, like a Mac address, but like a Mac, like move ad change, just so we're clear about the different, uh, abbreviations there um how long do you expect a mac to change or to, to take right if you're if there's a request from the business to do something move at or change something um how long do you think that should take in today's environment now there's a question i guess for me it depends on oh, i see everything has to start with it, it should depends. be automated it should depends, happen when man. the ticket happens <laughs> i i i agree but the point, I suppose, for user is, access. When, do, yeah, but all right. Why make a change? You know, in Just theory, on. You yeah, you shouldn't need well, to necessarily I mean, make a to change. To be honest, really, you know, if you know, I don't want, I don't want to. Well, the change should happen automatically, right? Like, it's, <laughs> is that what we're talking? Like, so the change should happen I mean, automatically. Maybe, so, open ports, open ports is always a problem on the network from a security point of view, right? Yep. Now, yeah, if you have the right authentication applied, is it still the same threat? It's not. So if you have a solution for user access, every port can be enabled, every wall jack can be open, and who you are or what you are dictates the level of access that you get. That's simple, yeah. right? Yeah. That To Zig's point, that's automated. That, yeah. that automatic, and that's, and that is it, isn't it? Who I am, I'm Rick Bauer, boom, boom, I'm in. I get this level of access. You could you could argue that, that again, I guess zero trust, you know, takes that a, a step further, right? You know, it's like open access to anything and everything is authenticated and everything in the applications and on the on the endpoints. And then you just don't even care. Well, that's the, All you're literally doing is carrying traffic from, a, from, from anything to anything. Yep. And and zero trust looks after all that, so that's why it depends. That's that's why. It well, it's the evolution, man. It's, I mean, it, that's the evolution, right? Like we're like what Rick's saying is the session based, transaction based uh, authentication, right? Like who you are, what you are, you get this level of access, right? And only that level of access because that's all you need. You don't, right. you're not going to get what you want. But this level of privilege, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But that's predefined, right? That's predefined by a system, a policy engine, a controller of some sort to say, hey, you are this user, you're in this group, or you're this device, you get this access. Here you go. Whereas the zero trust model is like an evolution of that, where it's tracking what you're doing, it's it's logging what you're doing and saying, hey, this is an, an anomaly. You're not supposed to be. You're not normally doing this. Sure, but from a from a network perspective, we don't care. Right? Yeah, it's because all seamless. Being, it should be seamless. Being done yes. somewhere else. Well, we're not well, just plumbing anymore. We're more than plumbing. Yes. Right. So we have to be. 
So go ahead, Zig. I know. I think I know where you're going, but yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's a totally different world. Like again, the long term path, right? Zero trust. I mean, I know. I know. There's a lot of negative implications of zero trust but if you actually look at it it's going to solve a lot of the problems that we are trying to solve from a networking perspective right like if we actually knew if let me rephrase not we if the applications owners actually knew what their applications were supposed to do because they don't know they don't know and then we have application dependency mappings are crucial you know to all of this anything that we've talked about if you don't know where your applications are and what they do and who that you know what the crosstalk is, there's no way you can do any of this. But like that goes if to you, that step. You know, like, like, I know, Darren, you want to say something. So that's where zero trust fits, right? Like, know what your application's supposed to do, and then lock it down, right? Zero trust can yeah. do that for you, right? Again, but we go ahead. Sorry, but from a network perspective, then in in that case, we don't care. Right. Yeah. So long as we can, so long as we're able to, we have an enforcement mechanism someplace. Right. But right. the enforcement you know, mechanism doesn't need to. And this is, I'm, I'm, I'm completely joined up with what you're saying. But, but the, the, I suppose what we, what we're so used to is having the silos of we've got the network guys here, and and in fact you'll have more silos within the network guys because you'll have the DC network guys here, and you'll have the WAN network guys there, and you'll have the campus network guys there. Yeah, but convergence has broken that model. That I mean, right, right. powering siloing that doesn't work anymore because well, to- totally. To- and and this is and this is where you know when I was talking about the, um, uh, the NSX over over the data center, that was the one really that sort of woke woke me up to this because how can you have network tunnel endpoints that are on a on a uh, a piece of compute hardware that you've got no control over if you're in the network team. Very easy. That whole thing, well, that whole thing becomes difficult to to, to deliver as an end-to-end service. And I guess that's what I'm getting at. I understood. But the reasoning and rationale behind that is very simple. The network team is not giving me what I need. They're not listening to me. They're not working with me, whatever it is. So I'm going to go and do what I wanted or what I need to do in order to get done what I need to get done. Which is is the shadow IT cloud conversation. That's why everyone with the cloud, right? The whole thing. And and, and we're saying the same thing here because, because basically what we're saying is you can't take those things in isolation anymore because, because they're not, they're not, they're, they're, they're all munged together. And, but the problem is that you go back to our traditional methods of connecting things to a network, and there's still a gap. And and so what we're saying here is we're talking about zero trust, and we're, what we're saying is, well, actually, the zero trust piece sits outside what would traditionally have been a network piece, but it's part of IT generally. And that's why you need the application dependency to become part of that whole service provision from an IT perspective, which which we've been trying to do. Since the yeah, 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 right, so, because how else would we be able to deploy things effectively? And, I, and now it finally I, feels <laughs> like we might just be getting to a point where we're, we're all singing it. from the same. So we're I know, solving. Go ahead, we're, go ahead Zig. Go ahead. So, so all I want to say is that I know we're harping on the applications, but it's more than just applications, Darren. Like you're going under, you're hiding. So, so the, everyone's tied on applications, and I even said it right. 
It's all the resources. It's not just applications, right? It's more than just that application that web developer created or whatever. It's the data that it's using. It's the metadata. It's it's the SQL queries. It's everything, right? It's, it's the lateral it's transactions. The data from the IoT devices yes. that are being pushed into S3 buckets. You got it, right? To be analyzed, it's, the blah, blah, blah. Stuff right? is everywhere. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, one, one point. So, Darren, to kind of bring this around and, and put some onus onto the networking team as well. So. You, you, your, your, your example of NSX, right? We're, we're essentially doing the same thing, right? With fabric contracts, SGs, fabric, right? So we're saying, hey, look, you guys can't secure your stuff and you don't know where it is. So we're going to do it for you on the network. So it, it's basically, it's the same. I agree. But, I agree. I agree. But, again, the, but the enforcement points are in a different place. Yes, the, the enforcement point the moves. People yeah. who can make those distinctions between the micro segments are in. Uh, but it's, right it's a different now, controller, right? Is what you're saying. It's, it's different a different policy engine people. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be vendor agnostic but is a different type of. I think the point. point. Yeah. The point is that what we need to do is we need to be we need to consider the whole system. We've, we're used to looking at a exactly. distributed system with the network. We need to make that now the whole system, not just not just what was traditionally considered. The and we can't solve the problems in our own silos, right? So IT has to work together. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, some. I mean, it goes. I mean, you know, um, the Phoenix Project. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's yeah, so yeah, many. Yeah. You know, and so, and so and so we come all the way back full circle, to full circle, automation and all that sort of good stuff because and and again it's 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 orchestration right it's that thing of being able to i love that that word orchestration because it's a because it makes me think of music right it makes me think of you've got your 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 brass section you've got your strings you've got your your percussion and all of those people are working together to deliver a piece of music and that piece of music is your workflow right and and you've got all of these different pieces that you're bringing together and that for me, is how you're delivering a, an IT service because you've got the network, you've got the, the uh, infrastructure folks, you've got cloud folks, you've got whatever, and you're bringing all of those together. So to who's the conductor? <laughs> who's the conductor? And who who is the the orchestrator, right? So you, well, you have to have composer, somebody. composer, rather. Sorry. You have to, yeah, I was going to say so you you got got someone to compose it, someone to arrange it. So and then someone to conduct it, right? And right? so, so this, and then, I mean, who is now your conductor? Because we, you know, the orchestra is pretty simple. Right? Well, your, that's, your, conductor, that's your, conductor, your conductor is your operational IT, right? Because that's the people who keep it going, who start it off and keep it going and make sure that it's doing what it needs to do. They, they bring one section up a little bit from time to time and then take them down and and that's, the performance, right? So that's your conductor is the person who's there. Your composer, oh, you've got me on this one now. So I'm glad you said that. So let's let's just start there. Okay, so cool. a point that you made, the operations team is the conductor, which isn't always in practice in IT, right? Engineering and architecture says, well, the business says this and let's do this. And they do it and they build this beautiful thing. And then they hand it to operations. They say, make this work. <laughs> Whereas, you know, the, the point being is everybody's got to have an equal stake in the yeah, game. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you got to have your ops team in there. You got to have your engineering. You got to have your architecture. You got to have 
your server storage, you know, everybody. All IT has got to be involved in that, in those those changes because they affect everything. And in the end of the day, the ops team, they've got to own it and operate it. Yeah. And be but, able to. But, but I think that's the point, isn't it? That that, that your yeah. your composer well, I guess. I the guess your com- I guess your composer. No, I, I would say to a certain extent in IT leadership. Right. Your composer is your architecture. And then yeah. your then your then your arranger is probably your your engineering team who who actually assemble the thing and put it all together so that so that when it when the conductor picks it up and starts the performance, um, there's an opportunity for them. The difference is, of course, we're able to we and we have to is is be tweaking the um, the thing all the time, mm-hmm. right, and be able to to react to feedback. And to potential changes and be so able to constantly uh, update. The audience then becomes the business. I think. I think you're. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, because and ultimately they're the ones who turn up and pay for the tickets that are what to fund, um, to to fund the whole the whole <laughs> shebang. Right. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> All right, guys. so so we got about ten minutes left. I have this question, and then I think we got to wrap it up, man. Um, so. You know, we talked about years ago for networking and designing and all this, right? We talked about now, we kind of went through that that process, right? But I'd like to talk about and ask kind of one pointed question to both of you is what do you envision the next 10 years for network design? So I'll go with, with Rick first. What do, what do you envision for the next 10 years in network design? Well, I think what we're going to do is we're going to react to a lot of what what we're what what we're putting into motion now, right? So from fabrics and the interconnectivities, the multi-domain, we're going to start stitching that stuff together, building the zero trust network of the future. And from an architectural perspective, I think that's going to be the big driver there, and the bets are going to be on that. And from an engineering point of view, I think it's it's going to be figuring out. How do you become more efficient? So, you know, automation is definitely a part of all of this. And I think that, again, is going to be driven by the architecture because we need to adapt to, you know, the demands of the business and and provide a service and solution product to, to the business that meets their needs in order to sell the widgets and who's it's. All right. Thank you. Um, I did want to make one comment on what you guys were talking about earlier. You guys about that composer. And my only comment on that was kind of, um, you said architect, right? Like I would say it's an enterprise business level architect, not, not specifically in the weeds on any specific silo, but someone that can see the entire picture for not, not just technical, right. But like business and, and enterprise and because it's, it's really an, uh, an IT architect, right? It's not, a network yeah. architect. It's someone that actually knows IT in and out and knows the business and can kind of dictate how to do that. Because you know, need to know how to assemble the piece of music, yep. right? And exactly. that's, that's exactly. the point. And then, yeah, the no, time. that's a great point. Yeah. And, and then my, so. I like how we, we, and I'll open that last question to you, Darren, in a minute. Um, at the beginning of today's show, today's this show, right? We, we had art references, like, you know, painting something we had an art reference and now at the end we had a, a music reference right so just like the the different references and how they relate to what we are doing right it's it's really cool in my opinion all right darren what's what's that what's your opinion? No, so 
so so I'm really just following what what Rick said. I think that that you know that the point is any IT system we need to be agile. We've if we've le- if we learn nothing else from from what happened last year that that things can change and, at the drop of a hat, right? So we need to 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 really nail this idea that we don't build things in isolation, that everything is impacted by everything else. To your point there, yeah, that everything interacts. So so you're, you're building a distributed system. And so you, you've got to understand all of the elements and how it all comes together. And the only practical way really to, to do that is through, through automation and orchestration because things will change and they will change fast. And the only other way that we can react practically is to build um, build environments that, that are well built that way but operated that way and so that's the process stuff that's agile if that's the way you want to look at it or whatever that that thing is um, you know to, to, to make sure that you that the information is there to everyone who needs it that you ah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, intent-based networking for me is one of those things where it, it, it crops up from time to time in conversation. I had a big conversation about this at the weekend. There's a there's a bigger picture, right? There's a bigger picture to it than simply um, it being a set of uh, of, te- of specific technologies or products, right? It's about an approach. It's about an understanding, and it's about the fact that you you take that intent and go through that process we've just talked about the composer and whatever building that 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 orchestration as part of the fulfillment of that intent right and that's great because you can deliver a system that works end to end but if it when it needs to be changed um, or if something starts to go wrong and dr- and the thing drifts away from the work, what you intended you have to be able to look at the whole thing and understand what's gone wrong Go through that assurance process and feedback into that that fulfillment, so that you're you've got this closed loop. That doesn't have to be automated all the way through. It can be that it has needs human interaction to make it happen. But if you choose that way of of operating the network, then you've got the mechanisms there to be able to automate the parts of it to gradually get to a point where you build out some kind of autonomous uh, environment and and self-healing networks and all of those all of those wacky crazy things but the point is i think i think intent-based networking as a concept as a as a framework as an approach gives you a really good way of of understanding what that needs to look like so there you go uh, that's that's my answer nice i like it that was a good answer right yeah. um any last minute words from both of you i'll go with rick first any last minute words of wisdom for everyone? Ah, uh, well. <laughs> wizardry? Words of wizardry? Even? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you got to embrace change. Um, you, you've got to adapt to the industry. Um, you, you, you can't fear change because if you do, inadequacy is really not going to be all that pleasurable. So, you know, whatever it is, whether it's Intent-based networking, you know, zero trust, fabric, what have you. These are the things that keep us employed because, you know, the business and in, 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 in the industry needs smart people to figure this stuff out, how it all places, puts together and how you build these, build these networks. Yeah, 
There's some simplification that's going to happen. There's some shifting of labor. You know, you're not going to spend your time doing simplistic term, you know, uh, things, you know, changes, uh, moves, ads and changes. You know, you're, you're going to be able to spend your time doing more complex things and, and solve bigger problems for the business. Yeah. So DevNet, 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 <laughs> DevNet. DevNet <man>. don't, <laughs> don't fear it. Pick it up, learn it. It's going to help you. It's not going to put you out of a job. It's going to create a new avenue for you. Yeah. So, you know. Well, so I'll, I'll add one thing to that. Learn. Oh, so that was good, Rick. I'll add one thing real quick. You know, you said embrace change. Don't be afraid of change. And, um, you know, any, anyone in IT, it doesn't matter if you're a network engineer or, or a software engineer or a system engineer, whatever you're doing in IT, there's something new every day. Like there's change, right? So if you're in this field, you have to be able to deal with change. It's going to happen. And you're going to be dealing with change every single day. So, But isn't that why we got into it? Yeah. yeah well, I, got into it. Anyway, I mean, to learn new stuff and to tinker and do all that. Yeah. Why, why is this stuff? I, I, I just feel that so many people are fearful of this and I don't, I don't get it. Well, people are setting their ways, man. That's all it is. People are setting oh, their ways. Oh, right? absolutely. But, but, my, but, but our ways are set in doing this and always learning, right? That's right. That's what so, yeah. yeah. Open the book. Open the book. Open learn the something book. new. Take, you know, whatever. Book. Just figure it out. It's fun. All, all I would add, Zig, is is community, right? So, so you mentioned DevNet already, but... Um, there's a whole bunch of people out there who are desperately trying to a get find direction, but b give it as well. And and Rick and I with the init six thing, you know, we, this is why we did it because we love the learning, but it's also about sharing that journey and and bringing people with us, right? It's the the reason why you're doing this podcast yep. right now, right? Yeah. It's what you're here for. So so you know, reach out and 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 there are people to help you if you get stuck or if you just want to talk to someone about it that's what we're here for right so no i mean maximize the relevance i like that, that yeah term. that's I, a good term again actually maximize your relevance because because that's what it is it's about staying relevant by learning and 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 moving on move with the times Hey guys, I appreciate it. I loved your last last kind of comments there, last recommendations or suggestions for the for the community here. Um, thank you both really really much. I, I wow, that's horrible. Thank you both very much. Uh, I appreciate you for joining me today. I think it was an outstanding show, um, and I hope you guys have a great day. Thanks again. Thanks, Sig man. This was fun. I had a great time. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, too much fun. Too much. Darren, okay. Good. We got to do it again. Always good seeing you. Yeah, and you. Hey friends, nerds, geeks, and ziglets, that's going to close out this episode of the ZigBits Network Design Podcast, where we discussed the evolution of network design over the last 20 plus years. Today's show notes will be at zigbits.tech slash 81. Make sure to follow our two guest experts. Remember, they're CCDEs and they're network design experts, my friends. That's Darren Fulwell and Rick Bauer. I will have their links in the show notes. Again, these guys are rock stars. Today is the last day of the ZigBits February 2021 DevNet DevOps Giveaway. Get into this giveaway right now before it closes at midnight U.S. Eastern Time tonight. If you haven't gotten into it, you better get into it right now. To join the giveaway, to enter the giveaway, go to zigbits.tech slash giveaway. And remember, that's the link for all of our giveaways in the future. Every month, we just redirect to that link. So if you want to know what the giveaway is, just go to zigbits.tech slash giveaway. Hey, if there's something you would like us to give away, 
let us know. We love ideas and we just want to give back to the community. So just let us know. If you want to have a live network design conversation right now with me and fellow design experts, remember that's network design and CCE experts, you can join the Zigbits Discord community. That's zigbits.tech slash discord. There are a ton of highly skilled experts ready to help you with your network design questions. So once again, just go to zigbits.tech slash discord to join. Hey, if you didn't know, we are creating a network design course. I know. This is a vendor agnostic and certification agnostic course. Now, you can totally use it to help you achieve your CCMP, that's the ENSLD exam if you want to be specific, or, or and the CCDE exam, that certification. But it's not just limited to those exams, right? We're talking it from a vendor agnostic perspective. We're talking about everything that goes into network design. That's what we're building into this course. If you want to hear weekly status updates on where we are with this course, you can join the specific email list for this course at zigbits.tech slash network design, all one word. Hey, if you like today's episode, let us know. You can find more Zigbits network engineering, network design, and network architecture content, including technical podcasts, monthly webinars, YouTube videos, and a dedicated community on Discord. Again, all of this content is free, free content, free network engineering content, network design content, and network architecture content just for you. You can find all of this and much more at zigbits.tech. You can follow us on Twitter at zigbits, and you can follow us on LinkedIn. You can sign up for our free weekly newsletter, the Network Design Digest, filled with the best network design content in network engineering just by going to zigbits.tech slash newsletter. As always, I appreciate you and thank you for listening. Now, don't forget, to attack your goals, attack the day, attack your life, and make progress, my friends. Until next time, bye for now.